Welcome to Arise Esther, a podcast for today's Esthers, women who are ready to rise up with courage and faith like Esther of old, who stepped up to lead when life was tough but faith was fierce. Hi, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your podcast host. I get to talk to some of the most resilient women on the planet, all who faced trials head-on and triumphed. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Well, welcome, everybody. What a joy it is to have this conversation with you today. You are at the front end of a three-part series that we're doing entitled Women in Biblical Ministry, Then and Now. And it's really our heart to have a conversation with you just to talk and explore a little bit and to look at the word of God with fresh eyes, perhaps with less bias than what we're accustomed to. And of course, as always, an open heart, asking the Holy Spirit to talk to us. So in this three-part series that we are excited to be doing on this podcast, Arise Esther, we're going to consider Jesus and his interactions with women how him speaking with women was absolutely radical. We are going to look at tough scriptures. We're going to answer questions like, what about the Apostle Paul? Was he really against women? And what about this thing called patriarchy? Is it influencing the church? Is it from medieval times? Do we interpret scripture through the lens of this old concept? Or is it really relevant for today? Is it the way it's meant to be? And eventually, we're going to offer you a mini summit that we want to do so that we can actually go deeper on these things. So our desire is just to open up a conversation, perhaps a difficult conversation, definitely a controversial conversation. But anytime we do something like this, we do it with the love of Jesus Christ and with the hope of greater understanding and more unity. And so now what I want to do is introduce my amazing panel. And actually, what I'm going to do is have them introduce themselves. And we're going to start off here with Miss Julie Coleman. Take a moment and introduce yourself, Julie. Hi, Don. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm a, a Bible teacher and speaker by um, trade. I um, was a school teacher for 20 years and left that occupation to go to seminary and really get the tools to be able to dig deep into scripture because um, I wanted to start writing. The Lord had really shown me that I was supposed to do that. So I got that degree and then started writing. Um, my first book came out a while ago. It's called uh, Unexpected Love, and it's God's um, heart revealed through converse, Jesus' conversations with women. And I have a second book coming out. Um, well, it's actually a third book, but another book coming out um, in uh, in February next year, and it's called uh, On Purpose, and it's Understanding God's Freedom for Women Through Scripture. So Beautiful, and we're going to get into your story. In fact, we're going to do that today. We're all going to share a little bit about our stories, and then next I have Dina Dyer, and Dina, yes, welcome, and tell us about yourself. Thank you, Dawn. So I live in Texas, if you can't tell from my accent, and uh, I'm a writer and speaker and a writing coach. I've been married to my husband, Carrie, for 24 wonderful, year wonderful years and a couple we don't talk about and have two <laughs> boys. They're 16 and are 17 and almost 23. So I'm almost at the empty nest, but I love to write about women. And one of the books I've been 
able to write and study and research about was Wounded Women of the Bible. I had that out with Craigle a few years ago, and it talks all about women in biblical times, what their wounds were, and how God and, and the Holy Spirit and Christ ministered to them. And I'm working on a follow-up to that called Weary Women of the Bible. So I love, like you said, seeing how Jesus interacted with women, what he said to women, how he commissioned women. So yeah, I'm excited to be here and talk to you both. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm excited to delve into that, how Jesus commissioned women. Wow. That's going to be an exciting topic when we get to that one. And a little bit about myself too. Also, as you wonderful, fierce women are, um, I'm a writer, author, speaker, and I have a dual ordination. I am ordained minister in the Wesleyan church and with also great, greater life, resurrection life church. So I am a lead pastor and I am a church planter. And I have also written some books on inner healing for women, women recovering from sexual abuse. And also I wrote a small booklet called The Role of Women in Biblical Ministry. So we might talk about that a little bit. I'm married to just an amazing person. And between our children being married, we have eight kids and we have 11 grandchildren. So full house. But anyway, so, okay, so let's just dive into this a little bit. The three of us have all had a call to ministry. We are all in ministry. And with that call and with that ministry, we all have an experience. So I want to talk to you, Julie. I'm going to start back with you again. Tell us a little bit about your calling into ministry, some of your past experiences of getting in trouble, banging your head against the glass ceiling. <laughs> Yeah, I was raised in a very conservative denomination. In fact, we actually wore head coverings and um, women were not allowed to do anything vocal other than sing at church. No praying aloud, no nothing. Even when there was a prayer meeting, the women would go in one room and the men would go in another. And I thought that was absolutely biblical and, you know, didn't worry about it. It was just the way it was. That's how God made it. And so, um, but through the years, I married a guy who uh, is very well versed in scripture. He knows his Bible better than anybody I know. And he really did not feel, even though we were raised in the same denomination, he did not feel that that was um, what he wanted in a wife. He wanted us to be partners. And he felt like I should be using my gifts in the church, you know, it, it, it fully. And so um, I was, so as a teacher for 20 years, we, I, we raised four kids. Um, they're all married with kids. Um, and so uh, I, I, when I decided to go to seminaries, I said earlier, I really felt God was calling me to write. And I don't even, there was just so many indications. And he just wouldn't stop at me until I finally said, okay. And so I, I uh, went to seminary and I went to a very conservative seminary. Uh, they taught the word of God without question. And they gave me all the right tools to be able to dig in. I learned Greek um, and all of those things. But the last class, one of the last classes I was going to take just before I graduated was sermon preparation. And I was really excited about taking that class. I already had a ministry with women. I was traveling and speaking and conferences and um, retreats and, and uh, for special events. And so, you know, I, I was very excited about getting more instruction on how to put a, together a sermon. I felt like I had a lot of room for improvement. And my my uh, advisor came to me and said, Julie, yeah, you can't take that class because it's only for men. I said, what? 
I said, this is what I'm here for. I already have a speaking ministry. I'll sign something saying I won't talk. I won't do anything with women. And he said, well, he's, I said, would you go to bat for me? And he said, I will. So he went, they had a board meeting and they decided that the, uh, that I, I would be allowed to take the class, but they were changing the name. And instead of message preparation, it would now be a sermon preparation. It would now be message preparation. <laughs> That's how I got in the class. So, and it just it seemed so silly to me at that point. And I started thinking, you know, these the way, you know, the way this is coming down just doesn't make sense to me. It's inconsistent and kind of weird where they draw lines. But you know, that's the way it was. And then um, as I was ministering, you know, I did I taught Bible studies, ministering at my church with women, and then our pastor was leaving, and instead of hiring an intern pastor while we did a search they said let's use the gifts of the people in the church and so gary the pastor said make sure you tap julie coleman because she's got a gift so they came to me and said would you be willing to be on the teaching team at the church and i said uh, woman <laughs> and they said no no you're not used to bring anybody's authority we are asking you to do this and so i i did and the first sunday i was getting ready to preach the one of the elders walked by me on the stage and I said, you better step away. I said, you might get hit by my lightning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was right. only half kidding. <laughs> but anyway, so what I did was um, I, I, you know, I, I thought I've got to get to the bottom of this because I knew about first Timothy two twelve. I knew about first Corinthians talking about women in 14, talking about women be silent. And I didn't want to be doing anything that God wasn't wanting me to do. Of course, I wanted to be in his will. So I started studying those passages. We started with First Timothy, asked my Bible study, can we do that this fall? Because I really got to figure this out. And, um, and, and we did, and we figured it out. And you know what? I am absolutely positive it's fine for me to preach. So, um, and since then, I've just been going through those passages that are, are traditionally taught to limit women. And finding more and more that I don't think it means what people think it means. When you take the context into consideration and you really take a deep dive into what's going on around those verses, I think we need to take a look again. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's exactly where I am right now. <laughs> that's beautiful. And that's why we're doing this too, because we as women, I'm guessing, Dina, it might be true for you as well, but we didn't even know what the word of God said for sure. Like I remember being raised in a church where I never saw any women on the platform. I just thought it was a male domain. And it wasn't until I too had to come up with a decision. Am I going to follow Jesus in this calling? I got to figure out what the word of God says, because I don't want to be doing something that's wrong. And I want to follow the Lord at the same time with this fire that's inside of my spirit. So I also mm -hmm. had to come to that place. Um, Dina, I'm going to come to you. And um, what about you, your, your role as being and your calling into ministry? And you've come from and still are in somewhat of a conservative denomination that maybe doesn't embrace this whole conversation. Yeah, um, Don, I was called to ministry very early on. I came to know Jesus in a personal way when I was very young. I think I've always had an old soul. And um, when I was 11, I kept going forward during our invitation time because I was like Julie in a very conservative church. And, and my pastor finally said, Dina, 
I think God's calling you to more. I don't think you're just, you know, I, I didn't know how to interpret what the Holy Spirit was saying. So what a great um, pastor to say that to an 11 year old young woman in a conservative denomination. He said, I think God's calling you to ministry. And uh, so I began to pray about that. But at the time, the only women I, I knew that were in ministry were missionaries. So I thought, well, God, I guess I'm going to deepest, darkest Africa. That's all I know that I can do for you, but I'm willing. And um, then he began to use my gifts in writing when I became a teenager and in singing. And I actually had a youth minister at that very little Baptist church in a little town who was a woman and became a big influence in my life. And, uh, and then another youth pastor at another church said to me, Dina, you know, that verse where God talks about where Jesus talked to his disciples and said, you're going to do even greater things than these. He said, your writing and your music are going to lead you to minister in so many different ways you don't even realize. And that was like almost a prophetic word. Um, although I wouldn't use those words back then. I didn't know what that was, right. but <laughs> ended up going to, yeah. <laughs> probably would have been scared of those words at that time. I ended up going to Baylor and uh, had a ministry scholarship. And then I had a mentor there and God just seemed to put these mentors in strategic places in my life. And I had to do an internship with him um, to finish up my ministry scholarship as, as I was getting a writing and music double major. And I said, Glenn, I don't know what God wants me to do. Should I go to seminary? Maybe I'm not supposed to. I don't know. I said, I just think I'm limited as a woman because I did want to stay in, in my denomination. I felt very strongly about it. Um, it's call, it's, it's uh, giving to missions. It's opportunities for different things. And I, I really, um, you know, love the Bible, the way I love the way they taught the Bible and made that the primary thing in the denomination. So he said, Dean, I'm going to have you go do some interviews. And he had me interview all these different women in Waco, Texas, in different ministries. And some were pastors and some were nonprofit leaders. And they were all in my denomination. And as I began to see that, you know, whatever denomination we're in, there's all different I guess variants of shades of these different issues that that more than what I was just feeling limited by what man had said and what I had seen modeled to me. I didn't want to limit myself because I knew God was calling me and I wanted to obey. And that was such a neat place to get to that I've been then in the last 25 years, um, I've been able to minister through music. I've been able to minister through drama, through writing, speaking, teaching, through even professional um, music theater that my husband and I were in and, and to just take the limits off and say, God, you can use me whatever way you want was so freeing. And he's been so faithful and even motherhood, I feel is a ministry, you know, I feel that's been a, a huge ministry. So um, I do think we put a lot of labels on ourselves and on others that God doesn't put on us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a similar experience too for me. First of all, my call to ministry, and I want to just comment on the leaders that you had. What a blessing that you had such perceptive and spirit-led leaders that really helped you navigate that. I think yes. of the young woman and so many that I've spoken to that have had a call or a burden and they don't get that kind of counsel. And 
oh, so many stories I, I, I can, we can all share. But for me, I remember having, when I really got saved, I was raised in a Baptist church as well. And I know that I gave my heart to the Lord and it was very true. But in, um, I went through, you know, young adulthood, very rebellious and very angry about a lot of abuse that I had suffered. And I was not sure I wanted to even like God, much less serve him, you know, what kind of God is going to allow that to happen to me and anybody. And, you know, those, those things that you do when you're wounded and, and immature, but um, I came back to the place probably in my early 20s, I was about 22, when I just really know that I know that I know that I got born again. And I, it didn't take much longer after that where I, I began to feel this fire inside my spirit. And I started in children's ministry and I started teaching Sunday school. And then I was also in music ministry. I was in a group with another woman. We called ourselves Rejoice. And so we traveled all around. We won awards and singing ministry. And that opened many doors. But as I would be singing, I would feel myself wanting to prep the song before I sang with, with a teaching about what we're about to. And so this, this teaching thing kept coming up. And, and I kept trying to squelch it. And I finally had to recognize as I was then asked to teach a women's Bible study that God was calling me to preach, not just teach Sunday school and not just sing, sing. Um, those are gr great expressions, but he was calling me to stand behind a pulpit and preach the word. And so I began to prepare. I went to Bible school. I was already a married woman and had three little children by the time I was 26 and so when I hit the age of 30, I started my online Bible school, got my ordination, and I still did not know what God had to say about the call of women in ministry. And I remember being sitting by the poolside, my children splashing around swimming, and I was reading the book. And my studies, and it said the next chapter was now about women in ministry. And I remember just closing the book and, and laying it on my chest and praying. And I said, Lord, it doesn't matter what I'm about to read. And by, at this time, I'm, I was in the assemblies of God. It doesn't matter what I'm about to read. I'm going to serve you in any way that I can. I am going to still prepare and learn how to preach your word. And I'm going to go forward not in any rebellious manner, but if you've called me, I'm going to do whatever it is that I can do. And I, and I want to learn the word. I was just so hungry to learn the word. So I opened up my school book again and started in on now about women in ministry. And as I was reading through it, it just said, we believe in the ability for women to preach the word and to hold whatever credential their studies warrant and deem and we believe in the uh, mutual authority of man and woman in the church and roles and i just remember just rejoicing because i still hadn't seen it i just it was in print so there it was in print and i did not know that god was also calling me to pioneer an area where i would become the first woman pastor in this in this church and in large part in this area but um, let's go back to this just for a moment then. Um, 
So, because over the next few podcasts that we're doing together, as I mentioned before, we each are intimately involved in this. We have ministry calls and and I don't know about you all. I think I think it's fair to say any woman in ministry has probably taken her share of of darts. I mean, Julie, you just explained yours. I mean, let me follow up with that. How did that feel to you when you heard that because you are a woman, you couldn't be in a class called sermon prep, but you could be in one called message prep? <laughs> Well, it kind of cracked me up because, you know, with all the classes we took, there were many times we had to give presentations and teach each other. That wasn't a problem for anybody. You know, that was that was the requirements of seminary. So why would it be bad for me to learn how to do a sermon? Um, I did follow up with the professor that taught the class. He was all for me joining. Um, and he's and I said, you know, why? And he said, well, he said there's a lot of. Um, people that are, are contributing to and supporting the seminary that would not be happy to hear that women were in a class about preaching. And I had a feeling that that was kind of what ran what people thought. Although many of the professors were very conservative in, in their view of women. So, you know, yes. it was frustrating. That's the thing about this whole women can do this, women can do that thing, because where lines get drawn in the sand are really arbitrary. You know, I had a friend who's who's was in a college in the Deep South and Elizabeth Elliot, whom I loved, um, was coming to preach. And so in order to make it okay for her to preach at Bible college, they removed the podium and gave her a music stand. And now it was okay. And, and that kind of thing happened a lot. You know, I, I, it was, when I was becoming an adult in the 70s. And so... You know, things were different back then too, but it just, it just seems so arbitrary to me. And I thought, how strong a principle are we pulling out of scripture to make these rules if, if everybody's in, you know, enforcing them, applying them in different ways. And so anyway, it was just, it, it got more and more frustrating. The more I read and the more I studied, the worse it got for me. So yes. yeah, um, I knew I too much to go back. <laughs> That's so true. So I, I think it was probably about two years ago, just before COVID, so a year and a half ago or so, we had some people come into our church for the very first time and we greeted them and welcomed them. But I could sense something when he, the minute my husband said, and this is our lead pastor, Don, there was just this shift and you could feel it. <laughs> he sat on the back row. He sat with his arms crossed like this, all their children in a row, the wife where she needs to be. And the next day I got a series, not just one, but over the next week or so, a series of emails from this gentleman telling me to repent, telling me to lay down my haughty spirit, to ask God for forgiveness, to submit, to take my role, to stop trying to be a man and usurp, and to put my ego under submission to my husband. And that is just one demonstration of many many examples. I had one man come up to me once and after I preached, it was a regular occurrence when I would get done preaching before I planted the church. And I was uh, just one of the pastors in a, in a male led congregation. And I was the only female pastor and I got my chance to preach, oh, twice a year, maybe, or three times a year. And, but every time there would come a man and 
he would stand before me. And one particular time he said, I don't believe in women preaching. And I said, oh, I said, well, now I am, I, I am one. So now do you believe? He <laughs> said, no, you don't understand. <laughs> of course I did. But he says, I don't understand. I don't believe God blesses this. This is not God's plan. This, God doesn't bless it. And I said, okay. I said, did you happen to notice that two people gave their life to Jesus Christ today? Do, do you think God blessed that? Is there salvation? Well, he didn't have anything to say about that. But the amount of the amount of criticism and ridicule, you have to be brave to answer the call of God in this arena, especially when there is controversy. Uh, Dina, do you have anything to comment on any of that? Well, first off, I'm sorry that you two have been, you know, subject to all of that. I have, I actually have a pretty um, amazing story with all that because I think maybe it's because I didn't feel called to pastor that I haven't had those slings and arrows that have, you know, that you guys talked about as much. Um, I did have someone in my church that came up to me after church in a in a line at a restaurant and he asked, said, what are you working on these days? And I said, well, I'm writing a book about wounded women in the Bible. And he said, oh, so you're a feminazi. And usually I'm terrible at coming back to people in the moment. I think of the great thing to say 20 minutes later, but I had done enough study and research. I said, I'm only as much of a feminist as Jesus was. And he didn't say anything. <laughs> so I was like, thank you, Lord. Um, so I thought, you know, that is unfortunate because we love to label people in our culture. We love to label people. We love to shut them down or put them in little boxes. And I don't see Jesus doing that. I don't see God doing that. I don't see the Holy Spirit doing that. Um, I've had friends that lead worship with me in the worship team at our church where my husband is the worship pastor. They've had men come up to him after a service and talk about how sexy they looked, you know, it's not okay. You know, that kind of thing. That's not okay. Um, that we are going to objectify someone because they're leading because they're a woman. Um, they wouldn't say that to a man, you know, so those kind of things I get really passionate about because I think the only person that that I try to listen to about God's call is the Lord. And I'm not perfect at it, but um, I will say I'm thankful for a husband who, even though he grew up in a very ultra traditional Southern Baptist culture, I remember when we came to the church and he had, he got ordained for the first time this last 10 years that he's been the music pastor because we'd been in theaters and done other things and on the Sunday when he was to get ordained, the wife would stand behind and the, the husband would stand in the seat um, or sit in the seat in front of them. And then people would come and pray during the music time. It was beautiful. And um, after people got done praying for Carrie, he took my hand. I'm going to get emotional because this is really neat. But he took my hand and he sat me down in the chair and he knelt and he prayed for me in front of the congregation. He said, I'm praying for you because your ministry is just as valid as mine is. Mm -hmm. And without him, I wouldn't have done half the things I've been able to do because he's made time for me. He's made space for me. He's been a, a father to our boys when I needed to go right or go to a conference. Um, he's my biggest fan. 
And I just pray that, you know, other women could have that and would look for that if you're single or if you're, you know, not married and, and you're going into ministry, it's not that you have to be married, but if you're going to have a partner um, and you feel God leading you to someone, make sure that they understand too mm-hmm. and that they support your call in ministry because it's very important. And I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for the example he set for our boys. Amen. So I want to notch it down just a little deeper and get into the hot topic. Are you all ready for this? And ready uh, or not. (laughs) And you can use the disclaimer just because I say it doesn't mean that's how you see it in your viewpoint. So I'm going to mix it up. I'll choose the role of bad cop. Y'all can be the good cops. (laughs) No, because I I want to, and for this to be valuable for our listener, there may be somebody who they they're listening to this, but they've only come up out of a congregation or a denomination that totally embraced women. They don't even understand that it is an issue. And then on the other hand, there might be some who've already turned us off because they say, no, that is wrong. And, and I'm not going to listen to that. So that's how passionate people are. Julie, you're writing a book right now and you're calling it on purpose. And I love that. I want to hear, but when we were talking about it, you said you deliberately did not use some specific words. I'm going to use them right now because it seems to be that there are sides in this thing, even though they're blurry and they all have their different um, kind of the way they express them. It, it, it can kind of seem like there are those who believe in women in ministry and those who don't. Those who say they're called complementarians. They maybe they have a view that uh, women are equal, but we have complementary roles. That we have a role and a husband has a role, or the male has the role. He's the authority in the church. And then there are those who say, no, I don't believe in that. And they would maybe say they're egalitarian and they say um, women can have authority in the church too. And then there's people in all in between. Why did you choose not to use those words? And um, I'm, I'm thankful that you you didn't pigeonhole it. You, you kept it. But tell us why you chose not to. And what does that mean to you? Well, you know, with any label, like you say, there, there become shades of, of how things are thought of and how things are enacted. And uh, the problem is, is that if you assign yourself to one label, people have assumptions about you that aren't uh, necessarily true, but because you're on one side of the issue, they assume things. Um, the one thing I noticed as I, you know, learned more and more from what scripture says is that um that we're all trying to do what the Bible says, mm-hmm. I hope. <laughs> and, um, and, but what happened is with egalitarians, a lot of people assume that, oh, there's just verses in the Bible we just ignore. And for me, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Every word to me is the inspired word of God. And I take them very seriously. Um, so, so even though we can all, each, each side can give their um, opinion on something and have verses to back them up. Um, we're all reading the same Bible. And so, and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, which is really, really important because the discussion needs to be done in love. And I've seen a lot of nasty going on and it just is absolutely not honoring to God for that to happen. So I, I chose to avoid labels and just talked about, you know, conservative versus, you know, not conservative um, but even then, I'm I'm super conservative about the word of God, and I take it very seriously, as I said. But the problem is, is that 
the word of God is absolutely true and, and we can count on that. And it's God's revealing himself to us. And I believe it. I, I could wish I had a stamp on my forehead that said, I believe the word of God. But here's the thing. There's, there's the words and then there's interpretation of the words. The words are Holy Spirit inspired, but the interpretation is, is man's opinion on things. And so while we depend on the Holy Spirit, sometimes we can come up with opposite ends of something, you looking at the same passages. So, so the interpretation is the key thing. And key to that interpretation is context. Mm -hmm. You can't take a verse from here and 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 then put them all together and make a doctrine if you're not looking at the context. Mm -hmm. And why was those, why were those words said? What is that verse doing there? What does it have to do with the whole of the epistle or the gospel or whatever you're looking at? And, and we have to do a very careful study because we don't want to put words in God's mouth. And so to me, if I, if I would to say I'm an egalitarian, which is, you know, one side of the spectrum, you know, my sister-in-law asked me one time, so you just ignore those verses? And I said, no, I don't. What kind of Bible teacher would I be if I was ignoring verses? Because there's more than one interpretation. And, and really, to be honest, we just need to dig in for ourselves and look and see. We have the Holy Spirit in us. He guides us. Um, but I, I wrote my book as like a Bible study. And it's, it's just one passage at a time for each chapter. And just go through and show what's actually there in black and white. And then bring in cultural context and historical context. And then pull that principle out from the culture of the first century and bring it over to the 21st century and drop it down. And now we make applications that are fitting to us. But the principle is, is timeless. So that's kind of how I approached it. I had a great time writing it. It was hard. There were some hard passages, but um, I really feel good about where it all landed. And I believe me, I was in prayer the entire time with all my heart. Sometimes I, sometimes I wake up and go, okay, Lord, please help me. You know, I have trouble with this passage <laughs> before I even got out of bed. So, <laughs> yes. And I, I'm so glad that you said that because I think that is the crux of the issue. There are words and then there are interpretation of the words, of course. And sometimes the interpretation of the words, they were interpreted through the lens of the culture yes. of the day. So some of our older versions of the Bible, interpretations of the Bible, might have been interpreted in a time where it was very male dominant and the hierarchy was there. And so some words had been interpreted maybe slightly different because the lens of the culture of the day, well, it I couldn't have meant that. It must mean this. So then, and even the study notes in our Bible that, with, that are not inspired, mm -hmm. they're study notes written right. by some guy, some guy. Right. And all of a sudden the study notes became the, you know, inspired word somehow. So I like what you're saying it, because what kind of Bible teachers would we be if we're just ignoring scriptures? And, and also um, not ignoring scriptures, but some people, well, you're just reasoning it away. You're dismissing it. So I'm hearing you say that to interpret scripture correctly, that we have to talk about the historical context, the culture of the day. You didn't say this, but I'm wondering, do we look at what are letters to churches? 
handling specific situations that were going on in those churches. So their letters, what is that context? Do an analysis on yes. that. Is it timeless for all people for all time? Or was it situational for this church, for this, for this moment? And you, because you're saying we can't make a, a, a theology out of one scripture, right? It's so true. Yeah. 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 Chime in, Dino. What do you say? Well, I think, I think what you're, you're saying is that we have to approach the word with humility. I think we need to approach our fellow believers with humility. And we, we live in such a toxic time and we live in such a divided, polarized time that everybody is quick to jump on one side or the other and make a statement about where they land. And then like Julie said, we look at the other side and we think they're the enemy. Well, no guys, we have one enemy and it's not each other. Right. I'm sorry. We we've got to stop firing darts and, and slings and arrows at, at other believers on issues that are not central to our faith and our, the confession of faith that we all have as believers. You know, I, I can say I might be wrong on things. I, I just, I'm old enough. I'm almost 51. I'm like, I've changed my mind on a lot of stuff. I haven't changed my mind on who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is and who God is. And so I get passionate because I see the enemy wanting to sideline us as believers, whether it's men or women, with these conversations to um, to really make us less effective. We've got to to understand what is a core issue and what what kind of things. I mean, I know people on both sides of this women in, in ministry issue that use both of the labels you described, Dawn, um, and I love them all. And, and, and you can get on one side or the other through studying scripture. Um, but, but I think we have to come with a humble heart. And Julia, as you said, pray, 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 pray. Because when we pray and we study scripture with the Holy Spirit's guidance, and we're faithful to look at context and historical um, cultures and, and societal norms of all those things and surround ourselves with a variety of commentaries. Like one of the commentaries I've loved is the IVP women's Bible commentary. It's totally got some really unusual things because women are writing it. Do I agree with all of it? No, but it opened my eyes to things that I was like, oh, I've never heard it talked about that way. Mm-hmm. So we, we just can't get stuck in one thing. I, I feel like as believers, we have to be intellectually honest as well as, as humble. Absolutely. You know, I used to say in seminary, I love it when scripture backs me up, but I was joking. <laughs> you know, the Bible, yeah. we, the Bible doesn't back up what we believe. The Bible tells us what to believe in the first place. So the, the real challenge is for all of us to approach the word of God and, and, and start with a clean slate and say, okay, if I knew nothing, you know, what would I need, what would I have to learn from this passage and do the, do, do the work of really digging in. And, um, but you can't go to the word of God with absolute, you know, not because like you say, Dina, I, me too. When I got married, I had the word obey in my vows and I wrote that. My husband said, please change that. But I wouldn't because I said, it's in the Bible. <laughs> but, but, you know, we change over the years as God, you know, he's, he's, 
he's changing us. He's he's transforming us into the image of Christ. And so, yeah, we have to be open to that and not just be so stuck in one place. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're going to be doing the next couple of podcasts and then ultimately leading up to a mini summit where we're going to really take a deep dive on some of those things. And um, maybe we'll have some special guests speak into it as well. But I'm looking forward to doing that with you. And um, boy, you know, this is a passionate topic for all of us. We, we all come from a, an emotional place in it because it has affected our lives. But ultimately, I, Dina and Julie, thank you for your heart on this, because ultimately, we just want to follow Jesus. Amen. And we want Jesus to be glorified. And we want to be a part of that army. I don't want to be on the shelf. You know, I, I, I want to be a part of that army that's doing my part to spread the word. I want to be like the woman at the well that dropped her bucket and ran to the city and, and was the, maybe the first female evangelist. You know, I want to be like Mary Magdalene, if you will, who, you know, was waiting for an encounter with Jesus and, and she was ready there. You know, she had the spices. She was the first woman, a a group of women to see Jesus resurrection. I want to be waiting for my, my savior. I want to be, I don't want to be waiting for a man to tell me it's okay for me to seek, seek God with all of my heart. And I know that's not what it is, but sometimes I think women have suppressed their love for God, thinking that if, if, if it's, if they're feeling or sensing this call in their life, that they, they can only do so much. And some of the research and the reading that I've done is literally seeing historically where women just found their expression of faith through their husband. And um, so I love that we're going after Jesus ultimately, and that we want to see him be glorified. We're going to look into all of these things. Uh, Dina, you wrote an article recently on loving your neighbor, even if it's a woman in ministry. I did. And uh, so we're going to have little snippets of that available too. So with that, anything that you all want to say in closing, otherwise we're going to sign off and we hope that you will join us for our next podcast as we delve into these issues. Anything else from y'all? Look forward to it. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, hey, Arise Esther, this is your moment. Open that Bible. Take a look and see, is God calling you to arise? I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Or you can visit us at AriseEster.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement. Visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit DawnDamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising, this is your moment.